0: No idea what this mini is about? Yeah, that's on purpose. It's a big secret. Um, Well, if you um, knew what the mini is about, you wouldn't let me do it. Well, that doesn't make me not want to close the cast window. (laughs) Hello, welcome to Afternoonified. This is a mini episode. I'm already afraid. I'm so excited. I haven't even told Sadie. Uh, I don't like this. I don't like not knowing. So, well, you guys all know that my heart belongs to the Flatwoods monster in terms of cryptids, that I will tolerate. Another has come to my attention that is a very close second, and that cryptid is Sam the Sandown Clown. I fucking knew it. <laughs> <sighs> well, have fun recording this episode yourself. He is a weird, I'm going to take my headphones off now and wait for uh, combination. the recording to stop. Of a robot, an alien, a ghost, and potentially a being from another dimension. He has been seen once by two small children on the Isle of Wight off the coast of Hampshire, England. Uh, The most reliable of witnesses. I didn't say... Cryptids aren't real, Sarah. (laughs) (laughs) You don't need to tell me this, Emily. (laughs) So, the most complete account, or maybe even the only one that's not a retelling is from the January 1978 edition of the Bufora Journal. Oh, Jesus. What what kind of publication is this? It's the British UFO Research, Research Association's monthly newsletter that was active until, I believe, 2002, maybe That's later. Too late. Too late in the history of man. Um, But for that 1978 edition, Sam was their cover. Oh, lovely. And I'm sure we'll have a picture of him... To grace your Instagrams, of course. Have you seen a picture of Sam the Sandown clown? Yes, you sent me a link. Okay, this is the scary story I refused to tell McKenna because I'm not putting that out there in the world. She probably would have loved it. <laughs> Here's the thing: it's not scary; it's weird. It it's a clown, so it's inherently just bad. It's like very intense, high strangeness, which, as you know, is my favorite part of of UFO lore. Is just the like really. Obscenely bizarre stuff. So my main source is that bufora article from 1978, but I do want to give a shout out to obscure obscurelegend.fandom.com for their uh, entry on the Sandown clown citing academic journals and everything. I mean, Bufora is a respected um, organization within the UFO community. Within the UFO community, important caveat. Uh, and I also got a little bit from Cryptopia.us. I say, as someone who is frequently cited cited cryptidwiki.fandom.com. I don't know why I am, like, giving you shit about this, other than, like, you're making me hear about a clown. Well, you know. Um, All right. So the town of Sandown was exclusively used as a military site since the beaches offered easy access to uh, invading French troops. But with the arrival of the train, the concept of train, um, (laughs) in the 1800s, Sandown grew into a beach resort town, which it remains to this day. Apparently, it's very cute. It sounds lovely. It gives me real Oregon coast vibes, which I'm pretty sure England's coast is basically the same as the Oregon coast. Yeah, in places. Our story takes place in May of 1973, when two children, seven-year-old Faye, which is a pseudonym, and a seven-year-old nameless boy, who I guess <laughs> didn't get a pseudonym, uh, were vacationing with their families near the town of Sandown. I'm going to find out that the British pronounce it some dumb fucking way, like Sand Sandon. Or something. And like, honestly, I would, I would not be surprised if it was Sandin. It's literally S-A-N-D-O-W-N. So. Oh, yeah. That's way too many vowels. You can't pronounce all of them. What are you thinking? Of course not. Yeah, Them and people in Massachusetts like need to learn that if there are letters in a word. <laughs> this is reminding me that I forgot to like a, pron- a pronunciation for today's episode. Continue. We'll work it out. Probably on air. Don't worry. Um, Okay, so the two children were playing in an area near the local golf course when they heard what was described as a siren-like wailing. Oh, I hate it. It shouldn't make noise. Emily, why does it make noise? Oh, Sarah, you are in for it. Okay, so (laughs) the children followed the noise across the golf course and towards a swampy area outside of the Sandana Airport until the noise suddenly stopped. Uh, Because they were children and not rational thinkers, they kept going to try and find the source of the sound. And eventually, they came across a wooden footbridge that crossed over a stream. And as they approached, a three-fingered, blue-gloved hand appeared from under the bridge. Oh no, 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 no! The children were too far away to make out much of what the creature attached to the hand was, but they watched it fumble with a book that that it dropped into the water. The creature then picked up the book and left the stream and headed towards a nearby windowless metal hut with movements described as high need hopping. Why? It entered the hut for several minutes while the children probably tried to figure out what the fuck was happening. Is the hut like an existing structure? Is the hut like something that shouldn't be there either? Um, it just... I mean, I guess it wasn't out of the ordinary. It looked like a like a military hut, almost. Okay. So something existing in the world not like us. It was described as looking like something that would be used on a building site. Okay. Anyway, the figure reemerged holding a black and white microphone device that <laughs> from what I can tell looked oh like Oh god, a- he needs to record a podcast. <laughs> it it looked like I think the the tape recorder like we had when we were kids, like the one in Toy Story with the the white microphone with the red top. Do you know what I'm talking about? Vaguely. I mean, I had recording devices as a small child. Uh, it's called Mr. Microphone. Oh, oh, yep. Yeah, that's what it looks like in my head, but it might not. It was just described as a black knobbed microphone with a white cord. Immediately, the wailing sound returned, causing the boy to start to run away. But the figure, maybe realizing that he'd frightened the the child stopped the screeching and spoke into the microphone. Faye, who had also started to run, claimed they could hear the figure talking as if it was standing directly beside them, and they heard a voice ask, Hello, are you still there? I hate it. Uh, Faye and friend apparently decided the voice sounded friendly and approached the figure so that they could talk to it. The closer no. they got, the weirder no. the creature Children. became. And now a quote directly from the Bufora article. I hate this already. He was nearly seven feet tall and had no neck, or his head appeared to be wedged straight onto his shoulders. He wore a yellow-pointed hat, which interlocked with the red collar and a green tun- of a green tunic. A round black knob was affixed to the top of his hat, and a, quote, wooden antennae were attached to either side. The face had triangular markings for eyes, a brown square of a nose, and motionless yellow lips. Other round markings were on his paper-white cheeks, and a fringe of red hair fell onto his forehead. Wooden slats protruded from his sleeves and from below his white trousers. I mean, this is horrifying, and I hate it, but also, it literally is like a children's drawing. Yeah, exactly. So as they drew closer- I mean, I have my suspicions too as to what this really was, and it's the children just made it the fuck up. But As they drew closer, it pulled out a notebook and wrote something down before holding it up for Faye to read out loud as it pointed to each word out of order. Hello, and I am all colors, Sam. Um, So, from what I understand, it wrote down the words, but it wasn't in the order that it pointed to them for Faye to read. So, he wrote down random words and then just pointed at them, and she read it out loud, which formed the sentence, Hello, and I am all colors, Sam. I hate it so much. They realized then, after Sam initiated verbal conversation, that his lips did not move when he spoke, which made his voice difficult to understand. Sam asked the children questions, and they asked questions in return. They asked about his ripped clothes. And Sam replied that they were the only clothes that he owned. On the unnatural whiteness of his skin, the children asked if Sam was really a man, to which he replied, no. Of course not, children. (laughs) He has yellow lips. They inquired further if he was a ghost, and Sam replied, well, not really, but I am in an odd sort of way, which I don't have the inflection. So it could be, well, not really, but I am in an odd sort of way, like the British would say it, or like, yeah, well, not really, but I am in an odd sort of way. Yeah, it could be either are. It's open to interpretation. The children asked, what are you then? And Sam replied with a vague, you know. (laughs) Certainly you've seen one of me before. Uh, Without elaborating any further. Sam also apparently stated that he had no name, despite introducing himself as Sam, and drew a sketch of what another him looked like, implying that there were other Sams around. No, I refuse to believe there is more than one. Just, I don't want more than one to exist in the world. (laughs) Sam told the kids that humans frightened him and that he was afraid of being attacked. But if he was, he wouldn't fight back. Well, now I feel bad for making fun of him. And then, and what I can only describe as a do-you-want-to-get-murdered move... The kids accepted Sam's invite to go back to his windowless metal hut to continue their conversation. No! Children, you're the dumbest children. Upon entering, Sam removed his hat to reveal round white ears and sparse brown hair. The children described the interior of the shack as containing two levels, the ground floor being wallpapered in blue-green and covered with a pattern of dials. These children are terrible designers. Or this clown is. (laughs) Either are. There was also an electric heater and wooden furniture they described as simple. The second floor had less headroom than the ground floor, with metallic flooring. Sam mentioned vaguely that he had a camp on mainland England, but didn't specify where or why. They talked a bit more with the children asking what Sam ate, and Sam said he ate berries that he collected in the late afternoon. He also said that after cleaning, the water from the nearby river was safe to drink. And now another quote from the article. Before eating a berry, he performed an odd conjuring trick. He placed the berry in his ear, thrust his head forward, and caused the berry to disappear and reappear in one of his odd eyes. No! Repeating the process, the berry traveled to his mouth. A possible explanation could be that he was wearing some kind of protective mask and analyzing the berry to check if it wasn't poisonous. <laughs> I I'm gonna, I, I need to wait until you're done, but I have such strong feelings about this. This story has many twists and turns, Sarah. Yes, we're we'll call them twists and turns. <laughs> After 30 more minutes of conversation, Faye and her friend bid Sam farewell and retreated back across the golf course. They told the first man they saw, a groundskeeper, that they had seen a ghost, but he didn't believe them. According to Bufora, the children were truly convinced that they had encountered either a ghost or someone dressed up in a particularly odd costume. Three weeks later, Faye told her father, identified for some reason in the article as Mr. Y, (laughs) about her experience. He corroborated the story with her friend and noted how upset she was when he suggested that maybe they were making it up. He also noted that her friend was very reluctant to talk about the experience. It is, of course... Reluctant, import- or he had forgotten about it. And- Re- reluctant, specifically. Reluctant. Are you sure, though? Are you sure? I mean, I didn't speak to him directly, but from the description, it sounded like he was afraid. But you're taking this guy's word for it, is what I'm saying. I'm taking the Bufora article's word for it. Um, it is important to note that Mr. Y had his own alien experience three years prior that might have made his daughter's story more believable. <laughs> this explains so much. No, just wait. It's... Like I said, gonna get weirder. So three years earlier, on Tuesday, October 20th, 1970, Mr. Y was driving towards St. Helens on the Isle of Wight on his way to visit a friend. To his right, Mr. Y saw a large, multi-lit aircraft flying low over the marshlands along the River Yar. He pulled over to observe the craft and noted that a wide ring of seven or more lights could be seen, each of them a large and clearly defined sphere, like a bright red cherry and interspersed with a turquoise and white light. No sound could be heard. Mr. Y resumed driving, and the object continued to fly parallel to him, eventually flying around 300 yards behind his car while rotating slowly. After stopping his car again, Mr. Y got out and started to signal at the craft with a flashlight. The aircraft continued to follow him, and when he reached his destination, his friend also witnessed the object, quote, "...playing hide-and-seek between the treetops." Upon leaving his friend's house, the aircraft was gone. Following the incident, Mr. Y would occasionally see single balls of red light in the sky, which would hang stationary or follow him along as though checking his movement. Okay. Two years later, on March 1st, 1972, between 9 and 10 p.m., Mr. Y was sitting on the cliffside at Compton Bay, quote, having been driven there by an unexpected tidal surge seemingly caused, in part at least, by some form of droning underwater craft. I'm assuming he was on the beach and the tide came in really fast, and so he went up onto a cliff to get out of the the way. Yeah, that sounds about right. Yeah. From his location on the cliffside, Mr. Y spotted two yellow lights approximately 40 feet away, peering up, uh, quote, peering up at me like the eyes of some horrible sea monster uh, not far below the surface of the water. After observing the phenomenon, the tide eventually went back out, freeing Mr. Y, who was able to get back to his car and drive home. So, naturally, Mr. Y had doubts that his daughter was lying, and told Bufora... Naturally. And I quote, I get the impression that Fay was somehow taken into a bubble of alien reality created by this strange personage. He told them he had just made the hut. Also, Fay told me that while they were talking to the ghost... Two workmen nearby were repairing a post. They paid no attention to the weird charade, as though they could not see it. Almost as if the children were imagining this. And thus is the story of Sam the Sandown Clown, Ghost, Alien, whatever the fuck he might be. Okay, here's what makes me mad about this story. Is Mm. that this is the story these children told, being small children, as they do. And the adults in their life just took it at face value and told a magazine about it. No, her father took it at face value, having had an experience, so that wouldn't make sense. Um, if he believed he had an experience, then he would believe his daughter. Um it didn't necessarily say that other people in her life um accepted it. Yeah, but like his UFO sighting is I mean, it's a little weird, but it's not not like crazy for UFO sighting. The part that gets me about this one is just the really weird details. Like, maybe it's because I didn't grow up in the seventies. Maybe this would be something like, less bizarre for a kid in the 70s to come up with. I don't know. Um, and this just- honestly makes total sense to me as something a kid would come up with. Like, they're probably a little weird kid. If her dad was into UFOs, she probably, you know, had that influence on her. I'm not saying I believe in Sam the Sam Clown. <laughs> like, it could have been, like, a homeless individual... Yeah, like, maybe they, like, ran into someone at the beach. Like, I'm not saying maybe nothing happened, but, like, they, of course, you know, as children do, elaborate on the story and just straight-up lie, because children have very vivid imaginations. And, like, that's just kind of how they are as children and can't really tell the difference between reality and what this fantasy world in their head. Like, that's just being a child. Um, One theory that was posited that I found interesting was that... They had encountered a man in black that is somehow related to her father's witnessing UFO, because that's when men in black tend to to show up. Um and men in black have a, a history of being very bizarre and not knowing how to um be be people. Yeah, but they don't have yellow lips. Well, no, it looked like he was wearing a mask, like a wooden mask, or his face was wood. Yeah, that's all the dumbest thing I've ever. <laughs> I don't know. I found it like very strange and creepy in a fun way, but Yeah, like I it's a funny story in a I don't know. I don't know how to feel about this. There it's up there with Jeff the talking mongoose. No, just my is third good in like cryptid. a subtle way. <laughs> Jeff was just like a fucking mongoose that was talking. Jeff is subtle? Jeff is subtle, yeah. Jeff is subtle <laughs> like there's there's not like a whole lot going on with Jeff. It is A mongoose that talks. It's a mongoose that talks with man hands. Two things. It's not like, okay, he was wearing a weird hat and he was playing with a microphone and he took us into his hut and he said he was a ghost, but he wasn't quite a ghost. Like, Jeff is way better. Don't compare this to Jeff. Don't don't do that to Jeff. Oh, I will compare it to Jeff. They're in the same neighborhood. They might know each other. I bet they know each other. (laughs) Anyway, that's... That's my second favorite cryptid. There's nothing on Mothman. <sighs> Mothman's an owl. <laughs> the Sandin clown didn't chase a single car. Yeah, he was a benevolent <laughs> presence. Mothman isn't? No! Chasing don't cars, know that causing bridges to collapse. He didn't cause the bridge to collapse. He, he weakened was an omen. those joints. <laughs> he was an omen. It is very well accepted that the Mothman was an omen that he didn't cause the bridge collapse. Mm, how did he have so much information beforehand, Sarah? He's a fucking Mothman, Emily. Mm, no, I think he's he's in with the Illuminati. Whatever with. The poor state of United States infrastructure? He's a member of the Knights Templar. Okay, goodbye, everybody. For more podcasts like the one you just listened to, go to SoBelowMedia.com. This is As Above So Below.